I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays with Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is the Feeney Podcast, the one and only imitators beware. This is the official Feeney Podcast. <laughs> this is Josh. With me is Jacqueline. What's going on? Hi, everyone. Hello, Feeney fans. It's another beautiful Feeney Friday. It sure is. So many Boy Meets World podcasts out there, but only one can be Feeney. It's so funny because when we first like created the Feeney podcast, there was maybe like one other one. And then we like got all our stuff together and waited like 18 months before we actually started making the podcast. And in that time, so many other podcasts were created. So I don't know why like all of a sudden this Boy Meets the World thing got so huge, but yeah, it's, it is crazy. It is crazy, especially when like there are just probably, I mean, not probably, there are thousands of shows that have no podcasts about them that were like, some of them are good shows, but no one's doing one of those. So we'll keep, uh, we'll keep going on. We think we've got a fun spin on things. And this week we're going to be breaking down City Slackers. City Slackers. We are officially halfway through season three. This is a very Feeny heavy episode, which may delight or disappoint you. It definitely delighted me. It had been a while since we had some real solid Feeny life lessons being doled out here. Yes. And uh, we've got a little bit of friends become enemies, enemies become friends in this episode. Nice little uh, narrative, uh, beginning, middle, and end. Some friends become enemies, some enemies become friends. Yeah. <laughs> do any friends become enemies uh i think it's mostly enemies becoming friends yeah i suppose but it yeah it's a good one and you're right we haven't had any feeny uh wisdom in a while we've had a lot of hilarious feeny quips and jabs but not any like touching feeny moments so this is this is a nice change of pace Let's get started. So uh, City Slackers, Season 3, Episode 11, aired January 5th, 1996, directed by Jeff McCracken. This is our first Boy Meets World episode of 1996. It is a new year, so I believe we need to take a moment to just set the stage, remind everybody what was going on in the world in 1996 so that you can really get your head in the right space. Yeah, take us back. The big thing that jumps out to me is that the Olympics happened in Atlanta that summer. That was a big thing that year. And of course, the Yankees won the World Series for the first time in many, many years and would go on to create a dynasty. Yeah, it was their first World Series win in 18 years, which isn't too much of a slump for most teams, but when you think of the Yankees today, you think of them just being dominant. So 18 years is, would be a long time for them. And But this was really just the beginning of that dominance. 
Yeah, it was uh, in the 90s. They won 96, 98, 99, 2000, then again 2009. And, and that's the last time they've won it. So we're on a little bit of a drought now. Thinking back, probably should have maybe made more of an effort to get down to the Olympics since Atlanta is very close to uh, to Maryland, but didn't end up doing that. Well, we were 10, 9 or 10 years old at that time. So I don't think we had a lot of control over taking a trip to Atlanta but you're right. You know, I would love to go to the Olympics one day, and uh, that's that was that's pretty close. It's the closest it's been since then, I guess. That's true. The West Coast is going to host the Olympics in 2028, maybe 2032. One of those two years, the Los Angeles area is going to host. So uh, get your reservations for the J and J Chalet in early. All right, I'd like to book a room, please. All right. So 1996, let's set the scene for you here. Maybe your parents just bought you your first Nintendo 64 because that Mm. came out in 1996. Space Jam comes out this year. You are jamming out to some Alanis Morissette and Bill Clinton is about to run for re-election and win despite the whitewater controversy that is happening this year as well. So we got politics and world news. We got Bill Clinton running for re-election. We also have one of my personal favorite memories from 1996, the blizzard of 96, one of the Mm. worst blizzards in American history, hits the eastern U.S., where Josh and I were living at the time. So for those of you who didn't grow up on the East Coast, you might not remember this. Tragically, 150 people died as a result of that blizzard. But I was nine years old, and all I knew at the time was that school was closed for like three weeks, and we had some bomb-ass sledding going on. Yeah, that was an amazing blizzard. I remember sledding and making snow angels and jumping into snow banks that were like almost as tall as me. So that was a lot of fun. We literally had like a tunnel system dug out so that you could get like down our driveway. It was like a tunnel that we had dug out, not with like the top, but like a, like a, a lane of snow. Sure. Um, and we actually had school. They had to lengthen our school day because we missed so many days of school and they were like, if we just tack days onto the end, you guys are going to be in school until like after 4th of July. So they ended up waiving the requirement for like the 150 days or whatever it is. And they extended our school day. So we had to go into school early and stay late to make up for all the days that we missed from the blizzard. Interesting. I do not remember that. So anyway, sports news. We got the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl. The Bulls set a new NBA record for the most wins in a season and go on to win the NBA championship that year with Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. If you gave me 20 guesses of who won the Stanley Cup that year, I would not have gotten uh, that correct. Sure. Got the 96 Olympics, which you mentioned. Tiger Woods goes pro. This was his first ever pro appearance in 96 and the Yankees World Series. In crime, we have the Menendez brothers' trial. Uh, They were found guilty for murdering their parents. We have the murder of Tupac Shakur, RIP. And still alive. (laughs) Dave Chappelle. (laughs) That ain't your wife. Uh, Okay, and then in entertainment news, we have the premiere of Blue's Clues on Nick Jr. Mm. and Arthur on PBS. Uh, We have the top three grossing movies of 1996 are Independence Day, 
Twister, and Mission Impossible. Dang. Yeah, as I know I've mentioned on this podcast before, 90s action movies is one of my top, top genre of movie. And these are just three winners. Yes. Space Jam was number 10. So it did make the top 10. And I believe Braveheart won the Oscar for Best Picture that year. Oh, interesting. I didn't I didn't look up the award winners. I just was looking at money, money, top grossing. Mm-hmm. So we've got our top three albums of 96, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette, Daydream by Mariah Carey, and Falling Into You by Celine Dion. So women holding down the top three in 90s music. And Josh, would you like to take a guess at what the number one single of 1996 was? I can give you some hints if you're interested. Definitely going to need some hints. Okay. Hint number one. It is not from any of those artists that I just listed as the top three. Okay. And it was a one-hit wonder, a huge one-hit wonder. See, I was going to go like Counting Crows or something. One-hit wonder. Nope. Nothing coming to mind. The Macarena by Los Del Rio, number one song of 1996. (laughs) Followed by One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey at number two and Because You Loved Me by Celine Dion at number three. All of those excellent bangers that... I will be listening to later tonight. I remember doing the Macarena at our Halloween parade party that we had in elementary school. That was definitely a big hit that year. We used to do it in gym class in elementary school. Like they taught us the dance and then we would do it in gym class. Hilarious. I guess that counts as exercise. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, now you are in the proper mindset. It's 1996. Go drink some Surge. Go eat some Rice Krispies treats cereal and just remember what you were doing on January 5th, 1996, when this episode of Boy Meets World aired. Okay, so let's talk about the title, City Slackers, clearly a reference to City Slickers. Clearly, yeah. First one came out in 91. The sequel came out in 94. Both excellent movies. The first one, just timeless and classic. One of the best comedy action movies, certainly of the early 90s, but maybe of all time. Yeah. For those of you not familiar, it's a, a great Billy Crystal movie. And there's it's actually like an all-star cast. There's a lot of other um, famous actors in it, but they're like these yuppie Manhattanites that decide to like reclaim their manhood by going on this Western cattle drive yeah they're gonna do some move some cows from uh one place to another they've got guides and some helpers and things like that but things go awry (laughs) and the title actually works you know we'll talk about why the title works later but Mm -hmm. at any rate it, it works so okay let's get our disney plus synopsis going disney plus says Corey and sean take a trip to the mountains true i true Accurate. I would like to expand on that description. Corey and Sean concoct a half-baked scheme to crash Feeney's mountain cottage, but end up in over their heads. Meanwhile, Eric and his date try to find out how many times you can squeeze the word jock into a 23-minute sitcom. Yeah, that storyline fell real flat, but you got to get some other characters in. You got to have teachers showing up at Chubby somehow, so... 
so so random, but uh, it had it, it has its funny moments. So you know. All right, so let's kick it off. We open with perhaps the dumbest line ever. Oh my god! <laughs> Corey and Sean are sitting at the Matthews kitchen table, and they're studying for a history test, presumably. And Sean says, "Corey, you know the best thing about studying at your house is." No Feeny. I ask you, compared to what? You know that Feeny lives right next door. What do you mean, no Feeny? He's right there. Name one place that you could study where Feeny would be closer than if you were studying in Corey's <laughs> kitchen. The only answer right. is at Feeny's house himself. <laughs> exactly. Like, literally, they could be studying at Sean's house. They could be studying at Chubby's. They're at probably the public library. There were so many other places they could go. Like, no Feeny? He's right there. So anyway, Feeny shows up at the side door knocking immediately after Sean says that. It makes no sense. But Sean is like seemingly extra miffed by Feeney at the beginning of this episode. He says that Feeney is hassling him and he's like really annoyed when Feeney shows up. So I guess they're playing up this dynamic that like Sean has had enough of Feeney's nagging. Yeah, this comes in waves. He gets there every once or twice a season. He's kind of fed up with Feeney getting on his back and doesn't understand why he's riding him so hard. And and Feeney gives him a little bit of a life lesson and he comes back down to earth. But you're right, it's starting strong here when Feeney comes in and notices Sean's book is still in its original packaging and saying, you know, you're never going to like most of the students that do well in this test have actually opened the textbook for it. Yeah, he's given them a hard time. But as it turns out, he's really not there just to harass the boys. He is there to deliver a thoughtful birthday gift to Amy because apparently it's his, her birthday this week. It is her birthday, and unlike Alan in previous episodes, he has remembered, and he's got a trip planned for him and Amy. So unfortunately, Feeney's gift, which is the key to his cottage in the Poconos, uh, will not be able to be used because they've already got plans. But Feeney says, hold on to the key in case you want to use it. I'm going to sell this place in a little while, so if you ever want to get up there before I sell it, just go ahead and, and uh, keep keep the key. Right. So as they're having this conversation, you get a glimpse in the background of Sean like reaching and grabbing the key off the kitchen counter. It's, you know, it's in a little box since it was a birthday gift. And then he makes this lame excuse to go outside to get Corey alone so they can talk in private. And then now that Sean has key in hand, he is proposing, we know the cottage is going to be vacant this weekend. Feeney says he never goes there. Your parents are busy. They're not going. Why don't we sneak up there to pick up some, quote, snuggly ski bunnies in the Poconos? Yeah, he's got this grand idea that they're going to be right on a slope. There are going to be a ton of people up on the mountains, going to be all sort of hotties running around, and they're just going to have the time of their lives, a la hot tub time machine. Machine. <laughs> <laughs> but Corey, in typical fashion, puts up about 25 to 30% of an effort to say this is a bad idea before caving. Yeah, we've seen this before. Corey puts up this whole song and dance. It's deceitful. It's irresponsible. And then he just totally caves. Sean is like really laying into Feeney here. He's saying that all Feeney does is make his life miserable and therefore he deserves to have them steal his cottage for the weekend. So 
Next thing we know, Sean has bus tickets for them mm-hmm. up to the Poconos, and he says there's going to be fresh snow all weekend. I checked the weather. Corey feebly points out that neither of them ski, but Sean is like so all in on this plan. He is not hearing any objections. So we cut to them entering the cabin and they've got Ranger Mark who's uh, let him into the cabin. So they've made their way to the cabin. They've got some help getting into the front door. And then there's kind of a funny line here where he asks, which one of you is Feeney's grandson? Oh, he is. <laughs> well, I am. We, we both are. We're, We're brothers. Cousins. <laughs> Brother, cousins. No need to explain, son. I'm from mountain people myself. <laughs> Yeah, Ranger Mark uh, is a bit buffoonish. I have so many questions about this plan. Like, okay, they got bus tickets to the Poconos. How did they get from the bus station to the cabin? How did they even have the address of the cabin? Like, all they had was a key in a box. I just don't understand any of this. They clearly have done no research. It's like, dark when they get there and most importantly what did they tell their parents they made no excuse they weren't like they're just there yeah i guess we're assuming it's the old i'm staying at sean's i'm staying at Corey's sure, for the weekend sure. and uh, i did look it up the poconos are only about a two-hour bus ride from philadelphia so it is feasible that they go up to like the main town that's there and then maybe you know, the this ranger saw them and they were like, we don't know how to get to Feeney's cabin. He's like, oh, Feeney, I know where his cabin. So <laughs> maybe I'm going to go with something like that. But you're right. There's a lot of a lot of details missing. Yeah. I mean, this park ranger has graciously escorted them to the cabin. And this is where we get our city slackers reference. He's calling them city boys because mm-hmm. they're like not really prepared for the temperature. They're cold. Um, you know, the, the kids are fumbling to make it seem like they're supposed to be there. He tries to scare them with like a scary story about, uh, an ax wielding maniac that has haunted the mountain. And then he gives them the bad news that they are actually two miles from the nearest ski slope. And Corey is not happy. No, they're not that close at all. And with that, the the ranger's really going to kind of leave him. He's like, you guys know how to turn on the electricity, right? And playing into the city slacker thing. Like, what are we, a bunch of city idiots? Like, we can flip a switch, thinking that it just means hit the light switch because electricity is already flowing. But they hit the switch after the ranger leaves. Nothing comes on. And they realize that they may be a little in over their heads. Right. They are, <laughs> of course, we know how to turn on the electricity. But alas, they do not. And now it's freezing cold. It's dark. I mean, this just gets worse and worse. The next scene, we see them coming back in from out of the cold. And they realize, like, there's no one at the ski lodge. They're totally alone here. And there's no snow. Yeah, the uh, misunderstanding here is that when Sean heard the weather, he heard that the Rocky Mountains were going to have a blanket of fresh snow thinking that Rocky was just an adjective and not the actual name of the mountains. So Corey loses it on him a little bit. You told me the weather report said snow in the mountains. They did. They said the Rocky Mountains were blanketed with fresh powder. (laughs) The Rockies. Sean, we're in the Poconos, 2,000 miles away from the Rocky Mountains. Oh, you mean that's a name? I thought it was a description. 
you know, like chewy nougat. <laughs> I was, I thought that was so funny. I thought the Rockies would be a little rockier than this. <laughs> exactly. Have you ever been to the Poconos? Nope. I have. It's really pretty. Yeah, that checks out. But it, it didn't even occur to me that there was skiing there. My uncle has a. I don't actually know if he still has it. He used to have a, a house up there and we would go when I was a kid and it was really pretty. There was waterfalls and stuff, but I, I don't think they were really near any skiing. Not that I am a skier and would enjoy that, but at any rate. We forgot to, to talk about Ranger Mark, who we sadly will not see again. I wasn't even going to look him up because he, you know, the, it was a small part and whatever. But then he said something and it made me be like, that guy seems kind of familiar. So I looked him up. He is played by an actor named Troy Evans and he has been in literally everything. He has 164 acting credits on IMDb, like everything. Yeah. He has made a name for himself playing a lot of cops and sheriffs and military personnel, (laughs) really getting the most out of that crew cut, I guess. But yes, (laughs) most well-known According to IMDb, are his roles in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Under Siege, and Demolition Man, though you may know him as the Montana congressman in Veep. If you've watched the show Bosch, he's been in 59 episodes of that. And if you ever watched ER, he was in 129 episodes of that. You forgot his most famous role as Roger Pedactor in Ace Ventura Pet Detective, the unwitting victim of uh, Lois Einhorn. I did forget that. (laughs) He will be back. He's going to play a security guard at the end of season four. So park ranger and security guard right in line with his roles everywhere else that he's played, but definitely a prolific acting career. Yeah. Great career. Still active today. So he's still working. Okay. So I'm wondering Where did Sean even get a weather forecast for the Rocky Mountains? I mean, like, the Weather Channel? Like, was he just watching the Weather Channel, and as soon as someone said mountain, he was like, oh, I should pay attention, and, like, that's... Like, where did we get weather back then? Yeah, the Weather Channel. Like, you would get get your local on the 8s, you'd turn on the Weather Channel, and then you had to wait for the 8-minute mark, and then they'd show your local weather every 10 minutes on the 8s. But if you wanted to get weather of, like, a different location than where you live, did you just have to, like, sit and watch the Weather Channel? I can't even remember. You could probably call a phone line, too. Like, calling time? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Chewy nougat. Uh, So anyway, the boys are, for whatever reason, Sean is, like... Not really concerned, but of course we know Corey is super neurotic and he's freaking out. The lights turn on and they're like, someone's here. And they're like, they think it's the axe wielding guy that is that the the ranger was telling him about and the door is jiggling. But of course it is something much more terrifying than that. When the door opens, it is Feeny. It is. They try to like play up the like axe murderer who's coming in the door, but it falls a little flat. But Feeny does come in. The boys know they are in trouble and he is rocking his white turtleneck, his flannel tucked into his jeans. He's got the full on mountain look ready and uh, seemingly has come up to kind of pack up the place because he's going to sell the cabin. I love the flannel that Vini is wearing in this scene. I need to go on L.L. Bean and get that for Arthur ASAP because I just think he looks so dashing. And honestly, like, I know that they're caught and they're in trouble, but thank God that Feeney showed up because these two idiots are definitely going to freeze to death, like, 
what were they going to do with no electricity <laughs> for the night? They were going to be in a lot of trouble. So they're like just lucky that Beanie showed up, I think. This is ridiculous. Like, I don't know what other plan they would have had, but maybe like he's got some extra clothes up there and blankets and they would have just like huddled under that. And then what were they going to like? What's their plan to get home? They're going to take a bus maybe. And that would have been that or. Right. They're stuck there for the night. It's too late. He's not going to call their parents. And I will admit like Feeney is giving Sean a bit of a hard time. He's like making fun of him for how he's spending his time and just that he's kind of goofing off. But to be honest, Sean is being a total brat. He's just like not entertaining Feeney at all and just like kind of fighting him on everything he says. So like finally Corey tells Sean like Feeney's not a bad guy. You need to give him a chance. And so Sean being like just about as blunt as can be is like, oh, I'll give him a chance and walks over to him and just says, Feeney, why do you hate me so much? So like that's his way of trying to give Feeney a chance. We know from a lot of episodes previously that Feeney has an affinity for the Matthews boys. There have been episodes, Corey shows up at the hospital room and he takes Eric under his wing in a couple of episodes, but we haven't had a ton of Sean Feeney one-on-one interactions. And this is, I think, going to be one of the first times where we really find out that actually Sean does have a special place in Feeney's heart and mind because as Sean asks, what do you even know about me? Like, what do you, why are you pushing me? You don't know anything about me. He starts to rattle off a bunch of facts about Sean. Right. The tone of the episode totally changes here. Like Feeney is, I don't think he's hurt by Sean's like, why do you hate me so much comment? But he does like kind of change his attitude and he's like, okay, I'm going to take this seriously because like, do you really think that I hate you? And like, maybe let me take this opportunity for us to understand each other a little better. And, you know, he's reading all the stuff that would be on Sean's transcript, but then he starts naming some stuff about Sean that like wouldn't be on his transcript. And, you know, when Corey asks him, do you know this much about all of your students? Feeney admits that he doesn't. So like, you know, obviously Corey and Sean are special to him. And the fact that he names is that Sean loves a musical group named The Counting Crows. Exactly. Maybe that's why I made that guess earlier. Definitely. It was in your brain. Love some Mr. Jones. But yeah, Sean has a little bit more respect now for Mr. Feeney and and I think starts to realize that this isn't a hatred at all. And uh, they're going to go do some dishes, but this is where things go wrong in the episode because as the dishes are happening, the watch accidentally falls into the drain. And as Corey goes to get it, it's one of the drains that have like a pull cord as the stopper and he accidentally pulls the cord and the watch goes down the drain. Yeah, Feeney's visibly upset, but he's trying to play it off, but he's clearly upset and he goes to bed. And uh, now now that we've learned a little bit about Sean, it's time for the boys to learn a little bit about Mr. Feeney when they find his diary from the 60s. Yeah, this is some great Feeney acting in this scene because with very few words said, you completely understand how pissed he is, but how he realizes and that these are kids and it was an accident and that he really, the years of being in a classroom, the patience has really been built up for him. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, it was just a watch. And he's like trying to reassure the boys and they are like frozen, right? Like they are like, oh my God, we're in trouble. Like we did something bad. So they're just like waiting for some reaction from him. And he, 
he really is trying to do his best not to make them feel bad. But you're right. It, it is good. You you get exactly what they're trying to convey here. For sure. So you're right. Sean is up. He's reading Feeney's diary, which is the book that Feeney was reading a little bit earlier. And he's actually learning a lot. He says, I figure I should have learned. So- I should learn something about Feeney. And he does. He says he used to come up here with his wife. They came up in 61 and cut school. And then on his fifth anniversary in 65, they exchange gifts. And this is when he gets a watch. And it clicks for both of the boys here that this is actually the watch that they just lost. And some very touching emotional music plays in the background. I think this is the first time that we, the viewers, learn that Feeney used to be married. We've seen him date a little bit on the show. And if you recall, he does have a history of cutting class to go on a date with his dentist. But I don't think we had known that he was a widower until now. Uh, And Corey's like, yeah, I knew that he used to come up here with his wife. And Sean is realizing, I didn't even know he had a wife. So like, I think it's hitting Sean that like, he literally has made all these assumptions about this man when he doesn't actually know anything about who he is. Yeah, it's great background. And, and they feel terrible about the watch now. Exactly. And the next morning, we, we wake up and the boys are kind of running around Corey's in and out. He's grabbing a flashlight. They smell terrible. And at this point, like, Feeney let them slide earlier, but now they're seemingly just being delinquents again, and he he's had enough. He says, you're dripping on the rug. I've had enough. This nonsense has gone too far. Like, I don't want to hear another word out of you boys. You've already ruined enough. Um, but of course, it turns out that Sean went diving into the septic tank and somehow managed to find Feeney's watch. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. I question why the sink would be draining into the septic tank. I don't, I guess I don't really know anything about plumbing. Uh, Maybe if you're on well water, does all your water drain into the septic tank? I have literally no idea. So unclear. But yes, they're in the septic tank. They're all covered in, (laughs) I guess, poop water. They, you know, they're all dirty. Feeney takes the poop-covered wristwatch out of Sean's hand, puts it right back on his wrist without sanitizing it, and I can only assume that this ended with a trip to urgent care so that they could all get antibiotics for their pink eye. (laughs) Disgusting. Yeah, and especially since Feeney doesn't go up there that much, who knows how long it's all been sitting in there. But Sean is a hero, and... Feeney's touched. Yeah, he, he's clearly he's really touched. touched. And, and Sean says, you figured it meant a lot being your anniversary gift. And Feeney says, you read a book, Mr. Hunter. I want to thank you both. So it is. It's a really good moment here. Yeah. And then, you know, clearly these boys are busted back at yeah. home. There's Feeney. Feeney has to take them home and <laughs> explain to their parents where they've been and what they've been up to. But um you know, the watch thing definitely did get through to them. And he Feeney is is asking the parents to go easy on them as they're doling out the punishment. Yeah, they're getting crushed. Turner's over too, and he's yelling at them. Um, but ultimately, they go give Feeney his key back. And Feeney's like, you know, I might not sell it after all, but uh, word of advice, don't talk, not a lot. So he's kind of on their side here for the first time. I totally had a moment here where I forgot that Sean had been living with Mr. Turner. I was like, 
watching it and I was like, wait a minute, like what's going on with Sean? Because we haven't really seen the Turner-Sean dynamic since that pig episode. And for a moment I like forgot, but then Mr. Turner is there ready to like lay down the discipline to Sean and he's there with um, Amy and Alan. So yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty tough conversation. And that is like the principal of your school and you tried to like crash his house for the weekend. So let's just say they are lucky that Feeney showed up and that this didn't go like way worse. Yeah, it could have been really, really bad. But he's, uh, you know, he says they're good kids. They just, uh, you know, they like to get into a little bit of trouble. So they'll, they'll definitely be grounded for a while, but I'm sure they'll bounce back strong in whatever shenanigans they get up to next episode. Yes. So that wraps up our Corey, Sean, Feeney extravaganza. And I know you're all wondering what is Eric up to while all this is going on? So don't fret because we have those answers for you. We sure do. It's going to start off in school. Eric comes up to Mr. Turner. The first time we've seen these two characters ever interact. And he says, Hey, I'm Corey's brother, Eric. And Turner's like, I know, man, you're in my English class. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think this is the first time we learned that Eric also has Mr. Turner as a teacher, but um, yeah, that's funny. So, He is only going up to him because he wants to get a date with Bianca and he wants to be introduced to her because he knows that she is also in the English class. She only dates jocks and he goes on this thing and he kind of just starts rambling and Mr. Turner goes, am I needed for this conversation? Or and Eric's like, no, I'm, I'm actually good. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he's like hey can you how do you know her and turner's like i'm her teacher like no i'm not going to introduce you bianca yeah hot girl only dates jocks is the first time first of many times we will hear the word jocks used i've never heard <laughs> that phrase used so many times bianca is so familiar to me but i can't place who she is until after i look her up her name is Julie Benz. She has a really distinct voice, kind of like a Jennifer Tilly type of voice. But personally, I know her as Marcy Fox from the movie Jawbreaker. But she has been in a ton of stuff, including many, many episodes of Buffy and Angel and 49 episodes of Dexter. Yeah, that was a shock. That I was not expecting her to be that same role, but that is exactly right. That was her breakout role. She... She was also in Saw 5 and Boondock Saints 2. Oh, God. There was a sequel yeah, to that? <laughs> I don't think it was very good. It went straight to DVD, I think. But breakout role was definitely playing Rita in Dexter. And her spoiler alert, death in Dexter was the uh, final straw for me. I stopped watching after that. I have literally never seen one minute of Dexter, so... Thanks for ruining it. Yeah, well, like Game of Thrones, you shall not be surprised if anyone dies in that show. <laughs> I'm actually watching Lost right now, which is another show that like everybody watched and I just never got around to it. So now, what, like 20 years later, I'm, I'm watching it. We were the same. I'd never seen it and uh, Jamie wanted to rewatch it. I watched the first two episodes and honestly was kind of bored and then got distracted and stopped watching. It really hasn't grabbed me yet, yeah. but I'm I'm sticking with it. I'm like maybe ten episodes in. It 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 has not grabbed me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it the college try. Uh, so anyway, Eric tries to flirt with this girl Bianca, and she literally asks him, "Are you a jock? <laughs> You're cute, but do you play sports?" 
Right. So dumb. But then we cut to the them at Chubby's together. So clearly he like sweet talked her his way into a date with her. She says she likes jocks because she likes to date winners. Mm-hmm. So Eric needs to come up with a story here and he lies and says he is a grandmaster at pool. And she doesn't consider pool to be a quote jockey kind of sport, but she humors him. She'll she's gonna go along with it. A jock is a jock, I guess. Yeah, Grandmaster is not a real term to use for a billiards player. That would be more along the lines of chess. But she does go along with it, and Eric makes up a story about playing in Mexico in 1964, which I I don't know (laughs) if that joke just went over everyone's head or just wasn't that funny. But either way, they're going to go, and and he's going to show off his skills. But in walk are enforcers, Frankie and Joey, They've got no yeah. direction, but Joey's got a delicious looking fedora on. Yeah, he is looking just so, so good. And Frankie appears to be wearing like a tuxedo and a trench coat. I don't even know what's going on with this. I guess they just started pulling outfits out of the, the costume room. But we had, you know, so Sean and Feeney, enemy becoming friends. Mm-hmm. And now we have Frankie and Joey going head to head with Eric because... They are there to stake their claim to the one pool table in Chubby's. And Eric tells them, take a hike, man. I was here first. But of course, Joey and Frankie do not take no for an answer. They take this as a challenge. So now Eric is playing mano a mano against Frankie, who for some reason has brought his own pool cue from home. Yeah, he's got his own pool cue. He kind of screws it together. This is making us seem like he's Eric's about to get his butt kicked. And obviously things are going to fall apart with Bianca. And in fact, he is very bad and things do fall apart with Bianca because three hours later, people have crowded around her actually cheering when either of them hits because neither one of them have made a shot in three hours. I'm just glad that Eric didn't back down from the challenge because Joey may have followed him around calling him yellow for the next few days had he not agreed to play Frankie and pool. But yeah, there's like a crowd has formed. For some reason, Eli shows up because we just couldn't have had this episode without Eli. And he's like, hey, what's going on? Like, And then he just sort of like hangs around and watches them play pool. Finally, after the third hour of nobody making any shots, Bianca ditches Eric. But for some reason, Frankie and Eric are are determined to keep playing. And we just like have a montage of the two of them just sucking it up at pool. Like these shots are jumping off the table and like balls are spinning around. And it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, my two favorites were when the eight ball was stacked directly on top of the cue ball. (laughs) And then, of course, Frankie hits a shot. And the ball just completely explodes <laughs> into dust. Like turns into powder. <laughs> and uh, Eli claims that he saw that coming. So this is getting out of hand. And we have no idea how long this is going. But in f- the final post credit scene, we see Eric. He's fallen asleep on the bench and has to be nudged awake. And we learn that it is 15 hours later and no one has hit a shot. Frankie finally quits the game because he's got to go to choir practice. Eric is like, no, come on. We got to finish this. Like, And as soon as Frankie and Joey exit Chubby's, Eric is left alone to sink every single ball on the table in one fabulous trick shot. 
And he's like, oh, man, this is just what happened in Mexico. And then he just like casually walks out of the pool room. Yeah, of course, the balls were perfectly set up for a shot like this to happen. Do you think do you think Will Friedle actually made that shot? I like clearly they set up the balls for it. But like it looked like it was really him. It did, they didn't cut from it. It didn't really look like it would have been CGI. I don't even know if that was really a thing that they could have done in 96. I know they were like, they had some of the shots. They were probably using magnets underneath where they would like make the balls like spin around and stuff. So it is possible that they had like an elaborate like magnet thing set up where all the balls would go where they needed to. But he also, if the balls are set up perfectly and he hits a perfect shot, Maybe 10 or 15 takes, he could have gotten something to do that. So I don't know. I was wondering the same thing. I really think it was him. I mean, you normally, if they were using a body double or something, they like cut away so that you don't notice. But it was like him standing there. And then you see him pick up his cue, bend over and make the shot. And all the balls just go in and they never cut away. It's like the same angle. They don't do close-ups or anything. So I was like, man, they probably like had him practice that. And then like it probably took him a few tries to get it perfect. But it looked like it really was him. Yeah, it kind of did. I, You're right. They could have set that shot up a lot of different ways to make you think it was him and just kind of fake it. But it was just a single shot of him and it was definitely his face. So if it was, that's an amazing, uh, amazing end to this episode. Yeah, but it was, uh, you know, it was just silly. And they're finally free of this stupid pool game. I don't know a lot about pool, but I'm pretty sure you don't win the game. If you make all the balls in one shot, I feel like there are rules that need to be followed, but um, still impressive. I just, it's, come on, somebody would have hit a shot. but that wouldn't have been funny yeah it was hilarious the way it happened anyway good episode we are now jacqueline at the halfway point which i think means next week is a special bonus episode yes it is time you will be tested next week instead of doing episode 12 we will be recording season three part one trivia extravaganza and the way we decided this was you're gonna write up some trivia questions for me for this half and then for the second half we'll switch it correct last time last season we did me quizzing you on all of season two and honestly that is a lot of material to remember Mm. and it doesn't give you the opportunity to quiz me which puts me in a position where i'm just hassling you and making fun of your terrible answers and you don't have the same opportunity so we're making it a little bit more equitable this time and fewer episodes to remember at once exactly right awesome so i am excited i'm going to study over the weekend jamie's away at her bachelorette party part four if anyone out there is i didn't get a single bachelorette party and she's had four yeah this is bs so uh i've got the whole weekend to study up and we'll come back strong next week with trivia as we head into our real life holiday season. So uh, that's what we've got. If you want to play along, please do brush up, catch up. Here's your chance to catch up on all of the uh, first 11 episodes or so. And we will come back strong with some trivia. Yes. And don't forget to check out Feeny, the Definitive Boy Meets World podcast podcast 
playlist on Spotify because after today, we're going to be adding some more songs. We got some Counting Crows we got to throw on there. Mm-hmm. I will leave off the Macarena so that it doesn't turn into a terrible playlist, but um, I think there's a couple other hits that we got to put on there for 1996. And uh, follow us on Instagram at Feeny Podcast for all of our fun Boy Meets World content. I was wondering if that playlist was updated. I know earlier this season we had talked about a few different songs. I have been doing my best. I, you know, I put Chain of Fools on there after the Train of Fools episode. So I have been trying to keep it updated. I probably need to go back and make sure I didn't miss anything, though. Excellent. That is a great playlist that uh, may or may not be played at the wedding at the end of the year. So who knows? (laughs) It's a good one. All right, you know where to find us. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. I saw that coming. No, really, I did.